Podcast. This is John. This is Trav. And this is still Richard. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of strapping yourself in, bringing up those nuclear reactors to full power, and blasting off at 3G's. To infinity and beyond! I'd be happy just to reach orbit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast. Uh, this week we are talking about Richard's new game called Easy Space. Uh, Easy Space is a reinvention of science fiction uh, as a lot of us grew up with. Uh, it was the original envisioning of how the future was going to be, what the space program was going to be, what basically life in space was going to be where the spaceships were long and cylindrical and they uh and they landed on their butts and they took off with a column of flame as god and robert a heinlein intended right the first interstellar flight is 1963 and we start creating colonies at that point so richard has listed a ton of colonies in page on page 5 and you just give it years, like, you know, they're basically, looks like about 20 of them from 1965 through 2005, uh, of which um, about uh, six or so uh, are um, America, and the USR doesn't get into the game until 2000. So for 35 years, we basically managed to lock them out of um, any real... Uh, interstellar space travel, apparently. They yeah. were not given the drives. Yeah. So, except the one. Well, actually, no, I'm sorry, that, that that wasn't them. That was the Nazis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, all these, I mean, uh, it's not clear. Uh, uh, you've got all these different colonies, Richard. Where'd they go? Uh, out there somewhere. Is was there some reasonable amount of distance they went out, or did they go, you know, a million million light years? What you know, what was? No, they they, they would probably be within forty or fifty light years. Okay, so so stars stars within and and how many stars are there within forty to fifty light years? Far too many that I never want to count again. Yeah, I I and then you remember trouble, that, John. Yeah, yeah, and the trouble is, it's it's hard to give you a fixed number because we're finding more uh, M's and uh, and and brown dwarfs now. So yeah, the number ah. keeps going up. <laughs> so not the number of stars is going up. We pretty much knew that already, but the number of stars that could have habitable planets are going up. 
No, the number of stars is also going up. It's almost double. Yes. How did they miss them? It's only 40 to 50 light years. Yes. Oh, brown, brown dwarfs are... Stuff. Yeah, only now are we seeing the brown dwarfs because we have we, we put up really sensitive... Spa- I mean, if you understand, a brown dwarf has the temperature of your oven, which is not very visible at several hundred... Wow. Uh, at 40 light years, yeah. <laughs> so you it's, have a it's, star that's... On- so you have a star that's only radiating heat at like, well, let's say 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, you wouldn't have any habitable plants around that. Well, no, no. I know that. Well, that's, that's not useful. <laughs> it takes 23 minutes to make a pizza at 400 degrees. And also, there, there's also was the great correction with hip, 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 ah, just try this again, Hipparchos. Uh, it was a satellite that went out there and basically remeasured, uh, retriangulated the position of all the stars. So a lot of stars moved away. Some stars moved in. So we, you know, stars that we thought were like in our neighborhood are actually now farther away than we than what we thought they were. It was just yep. it basically it did a correction of the catalog. So that's another reason why we it's kind of hard to nail down. Uh, but yeah, if you want a vague number, oh, we can always ask ask Google. I just I just thought maybe some you guys would know since you've been doing this sort of stuff with FTL. Right, that's what I was going to say. When Rich lamented about the number of stars he had, to, the first thing that popped in my head said, he's been down this road before. <laughs> yes, we were. And uh, uh, it was a long geez. time ago with, with a, a crazy programmer oh. named Lloyd Stilwell. Okay. And, uh, actually, oh, it was actually, amazing the printouts. Yeah, uh, actually, within within fifty light years, there are one hundred and thirty three stars. However, there are roughly uh, fourteen thousand star systems within this volume, containing two thousand stars. So there's a map that shows the bright stars, but within there's only one hundred and thirty three bright stars, which means you can ignore them for planets. <laughs> Anything that's really bright and it can be seen is usually going to live like about a billion years and die. So you want the ones that are about like Earth, which are hard to see, and they'll live for billions of years and have planets that will last. So yeah, this four, it's called two thousand stars within uh, then within you fifty take light into years. Account, then you got to take into account the planets that are in the and I'm blanking on the term what they call the there's a term for the habitable zone Goldilocks. Oh, thank you. Yes, I. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's just yeah. right. Yeah. So you got to yeah. take into account that, and that's going to knock your number down real quick. Yeah, but interesting enough, it turns out um, red dwarf, uh, red dwarfs, uh, M-, M stars, um, could have habitable plants, and based on the, the fact that if they're tightly locked, their 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 title, their habitable zone, their Goldilocks like zone, is actually wider than what they thought it was because. It's always hot on one side, so you actually have a. If you get an atmosphere, that stuff moves around. It's not frozen the backside because you have uh, circulation going on there. I mean, the plant does rotate. It rotates the same. It rotates once an orbit, and then may orbit once a week, or once every ten days, or every five days, whatever. But it, you know, the plant that planet can be perfectly habitable. You just have you know constant noon on one side and constant midnight on the other side. So you're going to have that uh, twilight band that, well, no, the twilight band would move. No, it wouldn't move. It'd be fixed. Okay, it's, it's, so you'd still, you'd still have to live in that twilight band where the temperature is just right on like a ring around the planet where yeah. you're not either getting fried or frozen. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I, I once worked out the airflow on the on on the plants like that, and actually there would be, you you if you're in the right spot, you get a cold wind from from the backside. You move a little bit, you get a hot wind from the front. So yeah, it's it's an interesting atmosphere uh, conditions in that world. <laughs> well, wait a minute, yeah, you got that on gold together. That oh, that means high, non rainy day. What's that? If you're getting mm. that hot mix like that, that's how storms are made. Yeah, so it's going to be a rainy, cloudy along the along that band for yeah. a good portion of it. So yeah, it's, make it's sure good for the you have, Make sure that you have umbrellas on the ship when you leave Earth. Yeah, yeah. And according to according to scientists, no, it's not going to be deep red. It actually will look very yellow because the star is very bright. It just we call them red stars because they're not as they're not as hot. As 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 Earth is, I mean, if you get a really red star, it's probably dying at that point. So yeah, it'll it'll be a nice orange star in the sky, and it'll be and it'll be there won't be as much in uh, ultraviolet, but that's okay. Who needs it anyway? So we're saying to those colonies, don't you wish your star was hot like ours? Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, <laughs> I just found this real quick. I've been doing research. I'm gonna since we bounced to FTL, I want to bounce to another game, Fringeworthy. Now, we, we say that all of our games here on TriTech are connected via the fringe paths. I've been looking up, looking up, looking up, and I think I may have found, and Rich can, you know, yay or nay on this, uh, positive 84,6 rocket port mobile. The 1950s have never ended. Rockets launched from Mobile, Alabama to the colonies and beyond. This earth looks like a crash of 50s technology and 1930s pulp science fiction. That sounds like easy space world to me, folks. Hmm. Just might be. Hmm. <laughs> Which it means this Earth would be an alternate of positive 84, which is bog world. So just throwing that out there for those of you who keep track. It sounds like an unqualified agreement from Richard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just going, <clears throat> yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah. Okay. I just want to throw it you've already referenced one game. I have it written because I have all the worlds printed in a big blue binder for my own metaverse for my game. So, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. Those of you following along with the Fringeworthy. Make it so, John. You're writing the next Fringeworthy. Everything you write is gold. Yeah. But yeah, everything's in portals, folks. Buy portals. <laughs> All right. So let's talk, let's talk aliens. Okay. So initially, uh, there's like four, there's four races of aliens that are living and bopping around our planet. Uh, the grays are actually come and colonize us. Uh, because they need us, they need uh, our, our sunny skies and our and our <coughs> fresh air, and especially after the thorium reactors kick in. Uh, but um, before then, it was a big smoggy, you know, uh, coal fired thing. But um, they uh, there's actually four races that look like they're pretty much you know with us and interacting on, with us on a fairly regular basis after we get you know interstellar. Uh, abilities and that's the grays as i said mentioned the grays and then there's our friends the nords uh don't actually say richard when they showed up but apparently they've been around for a long time they've been like you know we've been there like little experimental petri dish uh but they're really nice people they they you know we're improving you in a nice way it's basically the way they're kind of looking at us they're some people call them angels you know (laughs) 
And then we have the reptiloids, which um, anybody who's actually familiar with a lot of alien uh, conspiracy things, UFO stuff, uh, the reptiloids are a race that's um, that's that's actually been around uh, quite some time. Um, and uh, but it was uh, in 1952 that they were shot down by Washington, uh, and uh, and we and we made a good relationship with them. And but uh, it turns out uh, that they actually uh, previously in 1945 actually managed to transplant 5,000 Nazis to their own world. So they've been they've been hanging around us for a while too. I can imagine what Werner von Braun said when he found this out, and I can't and I can't repeat it. <laughs> it's not it's it's not safe for a family friendly show. German, try saying it in German. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 because we have German listeners too. Yeah, you know, swearing in another language is still swearing. Now you say a star off Orion. Now you understand Orion is a constellation and it covers an area right. of oh, several hundred light years back and Somewhere forth. Somewhere in that back. direction. Yeah, yeah, okay. Somewhere, somewhere out there, beneath the deep blue yep. sky. It only takes a, a few parsecs to get there, anyways. <laughs> Space Nazis and the Gosh. and the fact that the the reptiloids realized that the Nazis were. Oh, Ooh, I said yes, that bad did. word. <laughs> <laughs> We're You're a bad host, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, come on, come on, Rich. Space Nazis. Next thing you know, they're going to say that the Nazis have a base on the moon. What kind of dumb ideas? Oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the on the dark side of the moon, Trav. Yeah. Or the no. Earth is hollow, and they actually all the Nazis were reptiloids. Yeah, in Richard's game, the reptiloids are reptiloids, uh, and they uh, and they and they definitely transplanted a bunch of Nazis. Though apparently, uh, I don't think they took Hitler with them, right, Richard? Who knows? Well, it says that they didn't want the government to have control over it, so they abducted a whole bunch of people and replaced them with bad clones. So I, it just kind of seems like grabbing the head guy would be a little tough, and that maybe they didn't take him. Well, that's got to be a future adventure. Okay, well, that wasn't a denial either. So, <laughs> so, um, but the, uh, the the reptiloids are are, are really, uh, I, I think they're hilarious because they're like a, a warm, fuzzy crocodile kind of concept because uh, they, because you know, uh, people ask them, they said, have you ever eaten humans? And it said that the group was aghast, but then one smiled. <laughs> It's like there's always that one person, you know, who's kind of going, hmm, uh, good times. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I look at the picture that you used here, Richard, it, it makes me think about this this creepiest thing about the reptiloids has got to be the eyes. Can you imagine those ginormous snake eyes looking at you and nictating back mm. and forth? Ooh. Yeah, and and their home star is only twenty three light years away. Yeah, twenty six light years away. That's hardly any distance at all. Yeah, we're, we're we're basically you know like West Virginia compared to New York City. Wait, wait, hold it, hold it. Where are they telling that it's 
Where do you get the distance on that? Or you just know oh, that Draconis- I, I, I looked it up. A Draconis, otherwise known as uh, as Kai Draconis, is a multi-star system. Okay, uh, got it. All right. Yeah. Those of you with your science and astronomy <laughs> and, and, our, and our Google skills. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. <laughs> What's interesting is that the Nordics live in a star cluster. They live in the Pleiades. And that's, you know, that's definitely a bit of a drive to get here. Um, <laughs> that's uh, the Pleiades right. come from Zeta Reticuli. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, then, if you type it, Zeta Reticuli comes up. There it is. Yeah. Yep. Zeta Reticuli. How many years? How far away is Zeta Reticuli? Ah, Forty light years. Not bad. All right. And the, the fourth, uh, the fourth group of aliens uh, are the Old Greys, the Duros. Um, and apparently these are not like, you know, they're, they're not, they're not the same as the greys. I mean, they're called old greys, but they're not the same as the greys. Uh, they have a a lot of personality traits that are a lot different. Um, and, um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not sure why they're here other than for the same reason the rest is just to basically trade with us and, uh, you know, check it out because apparently they have lived so long uh, uh, they they have a whole sense of ennui. Uh, we've done it all. We've seen it all. Okay, we'll go over and see these humans because you know they have good beer. Yeah, and they have good beer, right? But the one thing that they don't have, um, uh, okay, um, uh, the, the one thing they don't apparently have are Hawaiian shirts, which is why they come here for ours. Um, uh, but. Anyways, uh, and skateboards, skateboards, right, right. It's ski yeah. ball, <clears throat> ski ball. They love the ski ball. Uh, so it, again, it, it, it sort of strikes me an awful lot of, of you know these these kinds of of things where the aliens have come to us and you know they're they're here and they're kind of helpful, but mostly they're off carousing and uh, and getting into trouble. So it's. Great, a new place for them to have what uh, Zed called an intergalactic kegger. Pretty much. You know, why Why trash your own planet when you could go out to the boondocks and trash somebody else's? You know, that, I mean, that's that's why people go, you know, have keggers in tra- trailer parks. We are the galactic trailer park, folks. Uh, yeah. Said so we're West Virginia compared to their New York City. You know, it's only later on that we actually qualify as a real as being a a real member of the galactic community. Yeah, I, I don't think actually we're West we're West Virginia. We're 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 basically the bayous in Louisiana. There's not much difference except for there's more water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've lived in West Virginia. I I'm not I'm not making fun of them. I'm just saying I've lived in West Virginia. I have lived down near Mobile, Alabama. I I haven't spent a whole lot of time in Louisiana. Okay, uh, I, I I mean places there are places there that are lovely and place and but mostly it's really really hot. <laughs> you know, you know, hot, yeah. creepy, and full of cockroaches and giant and giant cockroaches. Right, you find those all over the South. I live in. I, I live can in, tell you stories. Yeah. Oh, speaking of giant cockroaches, is that the greens? 
Well, that's like 2050. That's when we're talking about that kind of middle campaign is when the gray is when the greens show up. And the greens are, you know, it says they're an insect-like race. And, you know, Richard, again, paints them very, very innocuously. I mean, they're insect-like, but they're, they're you know, very kind and, and all these things. You know, uh, they, they're, they're, they have the, uh, the telepathic, you know, um, emotional easing ability. Um, you know, and they and they don't seem to like the the reptiloids at all, um, and so uh, the 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 main thing is is that they apparently are tremendously uh, oriented toward healthcare, uh, and theoretically, and that's because they had there was hypothesized that there was a big war with the reptiloids, and only the only people who survived was basically the medical teams. Which makes kind of a sense because most wars, you you know, you give the uh, Red Cross personnel a pass when you're get in the combat zone, you know, because it's actually better to take people off the field. It ties up more people, keeping them, making them healthy, getting them back, than to just kill them outright. So yeah, I can see where the majority of people that would be left over a really bad war would be, you know, the medical people, and so that's who we have here. Yeah. I'm looking at their at their bad traits. Move with speed and accuracy. Are we talking like that uh, unnerving kind of move and speed and so yes. forth? So they're like really quick, huh? They're fast. They all say, they almost all say they scare the natives. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am not a bug. Help you, I will. You know. So we got a little. Um, we well, got remember it's it's sort of like ping. I am not a bug. Ping in your head, uh, not because they're doing it. To, they're, they're talking to you with their mind. So yeah, so it's in the back of your head. Uh, it says voice is a high buzz. So uh, the question is when they t- when they talk in your mind, do they still talk with a high buzz? Um, probably. So, and they're all called according to their profession: Doctor Tom, Nurse Lucy, Doctor Frank. Uh, uh, Brewster cell mechanic, as in like somebody who does genetic engineering. So it'd be like you know, uh, what was the one uh, they uh, they named themselves after where they landed? What like a what race from another game? Oh, the dumped. It said that wherever the, uh, wherever they ended up on the on the world, they they tended to incorporate that into their name, but I don't see that in the descriptions. So that was in the text somewhere. All right. I was thinking that you'd be calling, it says, hey, hi, I'm Bob, you know, New York, or Bob USA, you know, USA, and uh, this, is, this is Betty Lou France, and <laughs> things like that. Well, I'm looking at, yeah, that's Wait the dumped, the, 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 the dumped, the people, the humans who are spread across the, the galaxy the, for the past 2,000 years. They're naming names this country of origin. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm Bob France, or I'm, 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 I'm Jason Samaria. No, no, I uh, think what they mean by that names as per country of origin. So, if you're an American, you'd have this type of name. If you, I, I don't think not, they would name themselves yeah. by their nation. Really? Because I like that. Uh, because you know, you're hanging on to your heritage. Mm hmm. Well, so you you could do that by keeping your last name a Smith. I mean, eh. 
Now, Richard, you said that then we Terrans found Neanderthals. So are you saying that the dumped are also Neanderthals are also part of the dumped, or is this some reference to something else? Well, they they're very much they were pulled off of Earth by somebody else. So they're so some of the dumped are Neanderthals. Yes. And do they they have high voices like like John says? Mm, probably not. Well, they, they they've had they had several hundred thousand. They had at least what seventy thousand years of evolving. They could at least change. They, yeah, they could have changed. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Okay. I just wonder because you always said, John, that because of this, you know, the size of their heads and the shape, that their voice boxes would be very small, and therefore they would speak very high. No, no, it wasn't that small. It was that the voice box was up higher. On, on all the skeletons they found, the voice box and the hyoid, hyoid, uh, hyoid bones are placed higher up the throat, which, would, which actually would give you a, a higher-pitched voice. Um, I'm not going to talk about the Nazis because that's kind of like, you know, if you were running a campaign because they don't show up. I mean, there's – I mean, uh, they don't come to Earth. I mean, we basically have to go out and, and find them out in space somewhere, I think. Well, there's a lot of people that don't like them. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, they're much like the Russians in their kind of, you know, uh, cultural um, – uh, uh, overweening pride, you know. So, and of course, they're they're all you know. Um, I, I don't know how they deal with aliens. I mean, because you know you have intelligent aliens, so we're humans, and therefore we're biologically superior to you. And they're going to be the xenophobic, racist SOBs that they are. In, yeah. Mm-hmm. Social social Darwinists, but see, they're no more social Darwinists than the uh, Russians are. Mm-hmm. Actually, the Russians weren't dire. They were. Um, um, who was the? Uh, I guy's name. The guy who had the alternate evolutionary theory. Lamarck. They're Lamarckians, actually. Um. <laughs> what happens with the Russians is they eventually um, uh, get their. You know, they they start manufacturing space stuff for other people, and they finally kind of join in with the world technology, and then they go off and, and they um, and when they can, they go off and build their own colonies out there, and and the GM can decide how much they want to uh, to do that. So they were eventually granted several star drives to establish colonies. Um, so, well, at least they at least they hate the Nazis. <laughs> You know, are are they gonna uh, at some point want to come back? You know, want to try to take over the world again? I mean, they could. I mean, it's you know, once you're in space, you know, it, it only takes a you know, uh, I mean, you could take some really big rocks and drop them on the planet and actually, you know, change the way things are. Now, if you if you have enough time, then of course they could send a, a spaceship over there, attach a lifting core to the to the um, uh, to the big boulder, and then negate its mass and drag it off somewhere but uh, if you don't if you don't see it happening but it's so much easier with so many worlds out there why bother to come back and create a mess when you can just it, go off and it, colonize something else yeah i mean look at all the wars i mean have you read russian history those guys fought over the same pieces of land back and forth between china and other places for centuries and, and look at prussia between russia and poland how many times the borders switched there? 
It's almost yeah. a blur in that area. Yeah. So yeah, the Russians, I mean, well, at least it's not a certain piece of territory in Middle East. It's been fought over since Adam. Um. Yeah, I'm just saying is that this whole idea that this is our homeland and we must have it and therefore we must be the dominant force on our home planet. I mean, this is just human you know, pride and, and, you know, like I say, overweening pride. The Russians are just, you know, more, more, uh, build it more into their culture than we did. We, I mean, we did it. I mean, we, we said, you know, the manifest destiny of one side of the, uh, of the, um, uh, uh, of the continent to the other. And we did, we took all that for ourselves. I mean, thank good, thank goodness there wasn't like I mean, we were on the. Uh, they didn't discover Asia, you know. Then we would have like tried to take Russia and China and all that other stuff, which probably wouldn't have worked out. But uh, we would have tried because we're Americans. We did send well, gunboats to Rus- Japan. <laughs> the Russians had Alaska, and we pushed them out of it because they didn't know what to do with it. Well, they certainly tried to do a lot with it. It was just. Uh, uh, it, it, it was no. It was actually the Russian politics just kept torpedoing all their efforts. I, I've, I've read some no, uh, some some background histories on that, and it's amazing how close they were to actually taking over, you know, America. And they just and they literally shot themselves in the foot time and time again. Yeah, I mean, basically, the reason we got Alaska because they needed the money. They, yeah, yeah Seward, they, what, what was it? What was Alaska called? Um, Seward's Folly. Seward's, yep. Yeah, that's what we called it. Yeah, they, they they thought what a great idea to get rid of this thing that we've never been able to successfully establish colonies. And on. then we find all those natural resources Ooh. up there, and the Russians are kicking themselves. Yeah. Well, they have lots of natural resources in and uh, in you know Siberia too, but they 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 didn't apparently figure out how to tap in the natural resources there. That would have given Russia a reason to stay there. I, I don't know how far down that oil is, but I'm betting it's not real close to the surface. So, you know, our modern deep drilling techniques, you know, released a lot of oil that previously may not have even been available. Yeah. Yeah, there was, that, there was I, I can't remember the novel, but there was a novel written about uh, time travelers from, uh, basically, the, the war, the, the big one happened in a nuclear war, and they said to go back in time and and save Kennedy. Well, that caused a whole bunch of problems. So they went, so they went and did a time jump uh, farther and back, and and did did some family. Actually, the first one they went to was save Robert F. Kennedy. That didn't work out. They tried to save his his JFK. That you know during the Cuban Missile Crisis, they interfered with that. That didn't work out. So they jumped all the way back. To when the Russians were living in California, they did get as far as San Francisco before they gave up, and they helped them find the gold, and that, of course, changes everything at that point. The the Russian envoy actually married the daughter of the Spanish consulate there in San Francisco, uh, and that's that was the closest they came to actually establishing a real presence uh, in the. And, and America was terrified that they were going to do this, okay, because, you know, they, 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 they're, they're so far away. We're talking the 1700s, 1800s. You know, uh, they didn't have any way of mounting a we – were, we were getting ready to have a war with ourselves. So the Russians are slowly grinding around. But unfortunately, they weren't doing it in any kind of a 
the way we see the Soviets today, you know, the Soviets, they weren't the Soviets, they were Russians, and they were doing it purely on their own dime. I mean, and I'm not talking, they, they were getting patrons and paying money, and they had to bring money back, and they weren't bringing money back fast enough, and so they were getting contracts canceled, and people were getting dragged back. I mean, it was just one failed attempt after another because nobody was willing to put enough money behind it to make it successful. So, and that's what happened on the East Coast of America with a lot of the colonies, too. So it's not like this is like news. It's just this is the way things were in until you have big, huge nationalistic governments that can actually underwrite something like a colony on Mars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't, it doesn't say here that it, whether it was an international uh, colony, uh, Richard. Was it just Americans establishing a colony on Mars, or was it truly an international effort? It was Americans, and then eventually they bring people with them. Right. So it was Americans. So again, this is the whole American, you know, we're you know, we're doing all the all the heavy lifting here, you know, we're leading the rest of the world. This is, you know, <laughs> which which we did after World War II after we destroyed the uh trading partners in Europe. Europe was enough of a mess that the US had no com- competition up until the mid 1960s. Yep. Uh yeah, we had to create our own competition. <laughs> So yeah, and but again, all these stories were you know were written along these same kind of ideas that America was. As a matter of fact, is that you know Heinlein in his "For Us the Living" pretty much assumed that uh, uh, that without Americans getting into World War II, uh, the uh, which was part of their that timeline, that North Africa, uh, uh, basically Africa, Europe, Asia, it basically all collapsed. It was a wasteland over there. People were living like savages. And it, you know, and over here in America, we were all doing fine because we closed our borders and we took care of ourselves. And that was a that was a view that he was thinking was very plausible. You know, it, fortunately that didn't happen. Fortunately, we did go in and and support people, and uh, we you know and, and and made some friends and made some enemies. We need the markets. <laughs> yeah, and we do need the markets. We especially back in the fifties and sixties, we definitely wanted those markets. And uh, and and as we get uh, aliens coming in, bringing technologies, we need to be able to to buy their technology and then sell it to Africa, Asia, uh, Europe, or whatever, at a markup. Because we can't make that stuff. That stuff's like, you know, way over our pay grade. Well, up until we get replicators, then the, then it all goes out the window at that point, in my opinion. But that's, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, now, Richard, about those replicators, okay? You put electronics under military weaponry and things like that, and I was—I I really didn't see that. To me, it, it would seem that as time went on, we'd get—you know—we wouldn't be stuck with the transistor fifties. I mean, we would be—you know—I mean, we we would be getting closer to what we have now, and that kind of technology is electronic and it's really dense. And I think that would be the harder to stuff for the replicators to do than things like making weapons. But uh, you want to stand by what you said? Um, actually, Bruce, you're right. <laughs> but it's, if you're a replicator, makes a lot of basic parts, material, that kind of thing. I mean, so, if you, but 
by saying weapons, Richard, you're saying I can pull a third out and it'd be very hard to replicate it. No, no, I think he's I think he's talking about fine machine parts, John. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, a, a, a minigun would be hard. Would be hard because it's got lots of moving parts and and yeah, stuff. Yeah, move, even something like a revolver or a shotgun would probably. Be- I'm thinking more along the lines of a CWIS. The new, the the this generation of maker bots, we're getting better and better. We can replicate things. We can make yeah, weapons. Yeah. We can make almost you know virtually well, any style of pieces. Or you mean the, you mean 3D printing? Yes. Yeah. Now the thing. Yeah, the thing is, uh, actually, I'm familiar with the with the because I actually have several, I'm on several people's mailing lists for this. The problem with a lot of these weapons is that they, when they tell you they print, they they print it. Then they took it to their machine lathes and and did some final milling to it because unfortunately, it's not. If you try to take it right off the print off the 3D printer, your boat will jam because that barrel is not smooth. You have to smooth it out because it's yeah, because the printing process is not perfect for that kind of weapons, but not shotguns. But then again, shotguns will destroy the weapon with uh, a few dozen shots. Right. Yeah, and the bolts and everything else need to be milled out. There's a lot of finishing you got to do these parts because they're not perfect, and also they're not solid metal. They're sintered metal, or or they're sintered yeah. with um, with other chemicals, so they're not solid metal. So their lifespan is not as long as as a properly forged metal. Yeah, I could see you making 3D printing a sword. It would be like a show katana as opposed to a one you would use for a weapon. It would look nice, but I would not want to use it in combat. Yeah, it's a pot metal, pot metal sword at that point. Yeah. Right, but these replicators are good replicators, okay? They don't have these problems. They've, they've figured it out over the millennia, how to do it right. Yeah, and what I like about these is that they do not, they're not the magic replicators of Star Trek where you just need energy. They need feedstock. So if you want to make that sword and you want to make it out of steel, proper proper carbon steel, you need iron and carbon in your feedstock to do that. If you don't got it, you ain't yeah. going to make it. Right. Well, you're, you're talking about the next-gen replicators. The, the, the ones they had in, uh, in, in the original series, they had to have feedstocks. They didn't have any in the original series. They have chefs. Yes, they did. They, they, yeah, they had the, in, the, in the food areas. They had, you know, replicators that made food. They were just, they were called food replicators. That's all they had. They, they never mentioned them, though. Uh, yes, they did. Yeah, because there's there. No, they were talking about the chefs having a problem. No, I'm not talking about Enterprise, John. No, I'm talking about Star Trek. Yes, I am. And they mentioned chefs in the original series. Well, that just means the guys that were back there making sure the machinery right, was Right, exactly. Working. They were just the guys that pushed the buttons <laughs> on the I mean, you saw the food, okay? The food looked, you know, they had squares and stuff, okay? That's not, chefs don't make squares and stuff. Yeah, yeah. under this country, they actually had a proper galley with cooker, with chefs and everything. And that was uh, after original series so i have to say if they had that in the uh, they're all canon i hate to say this paramount said this they're all canon so they didn't have replicators on board the enterprise until oh nine, eight, 60 years later <laughs> hold on hold on charlie x captain uh the real turkeys down here real turkeys yeah, because uh, but that was the chef. That's what I'm talking about. That's a chef complaining mm-hmm. about there being real turkeys down there. I imagine 
it, when he says real turkeys, I'm imagining something that actually still has feathers in the beak and it wants to bite you right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just stun a phaser, throw it on a plate, and put it in the, the replicator oven. Hey, hey. Yeah, but but I like these replicators because they're they because they they basically have several things going for them. One, they they don't make things up. They they're not magic. They have to actually have feedstock to do everything. Two. You can lock out patterns. You can say, "Oh yeah, uh, no, you can't make that." Sorry, that's that's someone that that belongs to somebody. You got to pay them for this. Yeah, I had a little problem with that because you know that's like saying we can't. You know, the, you know it's easy to stop piracy. Anybody can do it. Well, yeah. they also says here that um, some objects just won't replicate. Mostly these are living tissue or alien technology of a more complex nature, and collapsium mm-hmm. will not replicate. Well, considering the process it takes to convert steel to collapsium, yeah, I could yeah. see that you just can't replicate it. Right. But I'm just saying is that 99% of things can be replicated, so um, unless they come up with some kind of a, I mean, a, be- a better method of of, of, of of acknowledging and following uh, uh, copyrights, I can see there's going to be a lot of hacked replicators out there that produce anything that you can program into them. Yes, but you don't run into the problem. Uh, there's an old science fiction story from the 30s or 40s called Brewster's Millions. And it's about a guy who develops the magic replicator. You put energy in one end and you get whatever you want out the other side. So he, so he built a city out of gold. Just to prove, just to prove a point, and it's about how you know this sort of technology w- would destroy economies, because you could literally just put energy in one end and pull out whatever you want out the other end in any shape, shape or form. There and was a just, analog story about that. Yeah, about a small town in somewhere in Eastern Europe, and he made things for people, and they would like he would make earrings for a girl who would paint them and do patterns on them. And then the big argument was, was he damaging the economy or not? No, he wasn't. At the end, the, a brand new replicator came out that would print and color. Yeah. And everybody was excited. Yeah. But the thing Sorry. is, it, it's, it, yeah, but there's a, there's a, a lovely, uh, I'm going to quote a, a site, the Atomic Rocket site has a section on this uh, kind of technology. And the consensus is if you have uh, magic cornucopia machines, they more or less destroy the economy because you can make whatever you want. Right, but see, you don't need an economy once that happens. No, no, you have the you you have the you have the Federation universe of the next generation, which you know, no money, and you sit around and play holo games. But yeah, or you do whatever it is that you want to do because you have all the resources you need to do it. Except gold pressed platinum. Yeah, I, I look at that when I go wink, wink. Yeah, we can't replicate that. Oh, he wants some more gold press platinum. Clunk, 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 clunk. Yeah, uh, yeah. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Uh, yeah, they can't uh, replicate uh, it. <laughs> now, the in the Star Trek universe, the only thing that they have a limitation on is literally manpower. Okay, and and they and it's because they're not willing to accept the idea of replicated people or automation. For it seems. 
Well, that well to a certain extent, yes, because they seem to also general. Uh, unless it's got you know Major Barrett's voice, it, they seem to hate you know co- they hate computers a lot. <laughs> yeah, she was yeah. so classy. Actually, yeah. in real life, she was classier than she was at. Uh, oh, absolutely, absolutely, she was a wonderful person. Uh, we we kind of skip past the the aliens. And we've kind of gone on to the technology, and we're kind of going off into the galactic culture at this point. The page after the aliens, of course, we have the independent colonies. So, are, were these basically they said we want to go someplace? And they say, sure, here's a ship. Bye. Don't don't let the door hit, hit you on the way out. Uh, type things or what, <laughs> Richard? These independent what? colonies, uh, the independent uh, colonies like New Rome or or rhubarb, rhubarb right. or some. Say. Yeah, were some of them more or less, yeah, here's a ship, go away, don't come back, yeah. or what? Okay. Oh, it's a ship, go away, build your own society as long as you don't like this one. Usually I notice in games that involve colonization, like I'm running a prime directive D20 modern game, and they say a lot of people, if they had access to a ship and they didn't like how Earth was, they found their own world and lived the way they wanted to. And, and they, mm-hmm. they, they interacted with Earth just enough to, for trade. Other than that, they had their societies as they were. So, yeah, I see these independent colonies as being very possible. I mean, just yeah. since the technology have to that, make these ships. We have that today feet. with the Amish and the Mennonites. Oh, yeah, yeah. And even there's well, two and, Amish colonies here, uh, Bountiful and Hearth. Yeah, and, be- and before our folks complain, the Amish would have no problems riding on a spaceship. As long as where they're going, they can actually do things the proper way. So they would actually; these folks would actually would need a, a colony that would be what we call shirt sleeves, because basically that's what they're going to be in, and they're going to be trying growing crops, and they're not worried about doing hoity-toity English technology for you know terraforming the plant. They want a shirt sleeves planet to go to. Yeah, and I don't see that happening. Richard, because sure, these plants are places you want to send your people to, and not these folks. You want to send these folks to the place that requires a lot of work and 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 stuff, or what? Or are they plentiful enough, despite the aliens, that we can actually send Amish people? Get lazy. We had a wonderful TV industry in this country, and we basically shut it down and shipped it away. Mm. That kind of thing. Just, people yeah. don't want to do things anymore. Yeah. Actually, one place I would love to visit is Disney World. Oh my God, Disney actually did make a colony in this. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it, it's it's Disney, and they were made by Disney. So I'm not. I mean, I'm not quite sure what we're saying here. Oh, it's it's a corporate colony. It's a corporate colony. Is it basically a resort? Oh my God, it it's Epicot. They're actually trying to build an Epicot world because like I, I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the original Epicot was supposed to be a village where, where people lived. Well, and they you know, scrapped they that plan. That Disney is the happiest place on earth. Well, they tried to one up it. That you know. Yeah, yeah, that too. Well, okay. All I can say is that I know people who work there, and <laughs> it's uh, it's it's got its issues. I have a longtime friend who has had an on again, off again love affair with the mouse for like three decades. Oh yeah, he's told me some oh, stories. I, oh yeah, I have a friend who was Chip. He played the key. He was a character. He played Chip up and <laughs> he was a rescue ranger. Oh, goody! No, no, he was pre-rescue rangers. 
okay. Yeah, but but he basically uh, he helped somebody from a bully, and they said, "Nope, sorry, uh, turn turn your head in costume." Uh, <laughs> he violated the rules. He basically was out of character, and they don't they they nope, you can't be out of character, no matter what. Not when you're a character, you can't be out of character. No. Of course, I would I imagine if he, yeah, if he did during the Chip and Dale series, yeah, he could have done it and gotten away with it. But it was before Chip and Dale uh, Rescue Rangers, so yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so let's talk Star Drives, okay? Now, Richard, you mentioned that a small crystal is six inches. So, what's a how big is a medium and how big is a large? Because you have both those sizes, but you don't define them. Okay, next edition. <laughs> Richard, Richard. We were we were rushing to get this done at the end. It was like seven days before Origins. And you got a number after it, by the way, which is you got medium two hundred k. Is that how much it costs to buy one? Yep, two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand credits off the credit stick, or whatever twenty thousand U.S. dollars. What currency you have? Okay. All right, so we're talking terrestrial currency, two hundred thousand, because the small one is fifty k. Yeah, there, there's there's got to be some calculation in here, rule of thumb as to when when does a ship uh, go from small to medium as far as size is concerned. But I can't see it looking at it. At the at the freighter hard lifter, uh, it has X one slash one, so it's it's a one. Cause, or is it one or one? Or I'm not sure how to read that one because one over one is one. They'll store or carry for the engines. Oh, so so they have one install, one installed and one spare. Yep. Well, if you had a hard lifter, you would want you know, you'd want to have one, yeah, just in case. But um, of course, with these crystals, the way they're done is is that even if a crystal fails, uh, it just becomes less less good. Okay, it, it basically takes you longer to get to where you're trying to go. You have to take more jumps. Okay, it's not like it broke and now we're we're drifting in space, which is a real problem because nothing in this book talks about any kind of a faster than light uh, communication technology. So you could easily get marooned in space and have no means of communicating to anybody that you were in trouble, other than it was taking you a long time to get to where you were supposed to go. Yep, you're just doing all these little micro jumps of a quarter light year to get someplace. Yeah. But I'm just saying is if someone tried to find you, it'd be pretty tough, I would think. Space is big. Really big. More colonies, okay. You have some interesting things going on with like the, the time it takes to get places and like the time in hyperspace. There's two different sets of tables on that. But it also it seems to be very random as well because you're like rolling on a on a D100. So for example is is if you've got a black crystal it might take you 2D10 hours okay to go 0.25 light years but if you've got a purple crystal it might just take you D10 minutes to go 90 light years which is considerably more. Yep. Mm-hmm. So there doesn't seem to be any kind of a scaling factor going on here as far as how much time you spend in hyperspace. Yeah, I, actually, nope. I mean, 
Well, that's a bit random, Richard, and a lot of folks yes, may not actually is. like that. Well, I know, but some folks may simply say, well, no, I'll just simply say that the slow speeds are for the bad crystals and the high speeds are for the good crystals. I mean, if I was running this game, that's what I'd do. I'd just ignore your table and just simply go slow speeds, you know, bad crystals take longer and go, and go shorter. <laughs> you know, but anyway, yeah, that's... Well, I mean, to me, it's like, okay, I'm going 90 light years. It takes me 2D10 hours. That actually kind of makes sense compared to 0.25. Yeah. That's uh, 36 times, you know, the distance. Randomness adds to the game flavor. If you you fire your crystal and you you get there in half the time, or you've got to do it a couple times... So, Richard, is, is it, because it's random, can the players affect that role at all? Um, probably not. Or we could probably add to it. Like, you know, like, like psionic ability, maybe, maybe some other stuff. It's like I said, this is a, this is a first shot, fast mm-hmm. micro game. All right. You know, something fun for RPGing. Because it's systemless, more or less. Um, I can see people using fate and they'll want to affect that role. In fact, they wouldn't even want to use that role. They just simply say, well, um, I'm going to make some advantage and blah, blah, blah. Do we get there fast? Yes, you do. Boom. That's fine with me. All right. You've heard that here, folks. If you, you can ignore it. It's a general guideline. I also think it's interesting that you know, with the aliens being part of a galactic technology, uh, uh, a galactic culture, um, on the pages where you talk about the aliens, you also talk about all the different languages they know. Frankly, considering the trans- translator bands exist, I would think that they would only know one language, just like Americans. We know our mother tongue, the one that we were taught when we were growing up. Okay. Once we actually got old enough to someone slap a translator band on us, then we basically never learned in our language. It all sounds like our mother tongue. So we're never going to learn in our language no matter where we go. When this came up in Farscape, when they introduced the translator, the translator of microbes, which were more ejected yeah. at birth, they said this, there probably is no language. Basically, you're making sounds and the translators translate them. And it comes out sounding like a language. John, you still have to have a written language. Everybody, mm-hmm. you still have to learn how to read the other languages because even in yeah. the D20 version of Farscape, yeah, you had the translator microbes, but you still had to get the read-write role, the read-write yep. skill for Sebation, Nabari, Luxon, what yeah. have you. Well, up until they actually, up until they did the one episode where he was talking to somebody who had no translator microbes, the, the, the theory, yeah, yeah the, the, the the no, no, one in the, in the primitive world. Oh, I E T. It's like the first, the fourth episode. Yeah, I E T. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the theory was that translator microbes didn't translate. What they did was they plugged into your brain, and when you spoke, you spoke in translator ease. And then it was translated back into into your language. So you were you were never speaking you know, basically because if people say otherwise it's magic. <laughs> 
And of course, the episodes indicate it was magic at that point. Yeah. So. Well, there's an awful lot of magic in Farscape, John. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you got aliens that are breathing like furnace heat out of their bowels. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the she. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're not normally hot. Any any other part of them isn't that hot. Yeah. You know, we 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 got a guy who's got a big glowing tube in the middle of his skull. Oh yeah, but this is these were fan theories, and fans love coming up with these theories. And I always like that yeah. theory that yeah, you know, it's not like you 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 understand other languages. Is that you're speaking translatees, and there it's an easy language to speak, and anyone can speak it, and it gets translated by everyone else who has translators in their heads. So, but anyway, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked a um, uh, a set of novels I read, um, which was called the Star Child series, and. Uh, human beings actually learned a uh, a spoken language that was designed to allow computers to understand them effectively. Essentially, you could program a computer with your voice without having to actually talk. And you know, it was basically binary that you were feeding to it by the way you made these sounds, these tones, and uh, basically you became a a, a modem, I guess, <laughs> and, and you could talk to computers and, and make them work uh, and. The, uh, nobody else could do it because only certain people knew how to do this. Um, so the computers all had their own language, and they only listened to people who could speak their language. So that was that was kind of interesting. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. Wait, you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, We'll be having your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.